Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorce Podcast. We are back again with a topic that no one really loves to talk about, but everybody actually wanted more information. We talked about this before, and this is about preventing childhood abuse, childhood assaults, and making keeping our kids safe. So today, all the way from Hawaii, we have with us Katie Hastings. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. So excited for you to be here. So you are the owner of Shout, the author of a children's yes. book. And I'd love to know a little bit about how you got into child abuse prevention. Sure. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of a topic that's been taboo for a while, right? It's hard to talk about, but it's something that we got to talk about. And the reason I got into it is I was a child abuse victim myself, and I'm also a pediatric nurse, and I would get patients coming in that had been sexually abused and then drawing from my own experience and reporting abuse late later in life. It's just something that um, I went through that process started about three years ago Mm. and we just finished, I just finished trial like a year ago. It kind of just, when I was going through that, the reporting, taking the knowledge of things I was seeing today that's going on with kids as a pediatric nurse, seeing the education gap that was, um, that was relevant for me, that there's this big need. We need to have more body safety education for kids we teach them a lot of things, especially in the public education school system that are preventative health. Some Mm -hmm. of them like, you know, like we've got the DARE programs to help with drug abuse prevention. We've got simple little sayings they learn like stop, drop and roll. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of catchy, fun things. They're even learning, you know, puberty videos at school, but we're not really teaching body safety education and it needs to be taught in a public level and in our homes to help children self-advocate. So I'm trying to fill this gap that I see in education to help parents educate their children, to help caregivers, healthcare providers, teachers. And that's a need I'm seeing in where SHOUT came from. So is SHOUT an acronym? Yes, it is. So SHOUT stands for Stop, Help, Out, Unsafe, and Tell. It's also the name of my company It's that's dedicated to child abuse prevention. But SHOUT is what's taught in my children's book. My children's ah. book is called Your Safe Body. Okay. Yeah. And so children learn about through that book and okay. it's like a body safety tool that's becoming a household saying. So. Nice. Okay. All right. So then why don't you take us through, well, what, what age is the book aimed at for kids? Yeah. So it's, it's geared for toddler to elementary age children. Okay. So we say like the sixth grader about it's still applicable to the older kids that they haven't gotten any body safety education. But when we get to that teen and phase, we want to be incorporating a lot of like consent and things because they're having relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends and that sort of a thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So what for parents out there who don't have the book, where should they be starting? Simple body safety education. I recommend, um, if it hasn't happened already as a toddler and potty training is to start with teaching children proper anatomical terms for private parts, instead of teaching them 
PP. We've got to teach them the proper word. Okay. I hear this a lot, like, and it seems so obvious to me, but is this really a, a problem when it comes to children who have been abused? It is. And you being a lawyer, you probably can point, I know you're not doing like criminal defense, Mm -hmm. but especially if a child's been abused, they need to be able to relay back the proper anatomical terms. So there's no gray areas. That's true. There's no confusion. Right. It can be very confusing when a child says, you know, I saw daddy's whatever or what, and we don't know what what they're, what they're describing they saw or, you know, X, Y, Z happened and they're not describing the proper anatomical terms for what they saw or what happened, you know, obviously sometimes, oh, this is going to be really graphic and very uncomfortable for some people, but sometimes very young children describe ejaculation and they never have the term for that. And that's not something that anyone's advocating that we teach. So what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, I mean, like you said, if they, if what they can do is describe proper anatomical terms of what's going on right. and they need to know both genders, you know, in this right. world, I hope that that world word is inclusive that I'm using, not trying to be exclusive at all, but they need to know both sides, not just what they have right. uh, so that they can properly describe what's going on. Cause right. anything like what you just said, there's going to be no gray area. And then for healthcare providers that might need to be doing an exam, because sometimes mm-hmm. we've got like assault nurse examiners medical professors trained in that, or if it's that you're having to make a report to police detectives, or if you're standing in trial, whatever that is, if the child knows proper anatomical terms of what's taken place, then there's no gray areas. And like you said, if they're trying to describe something else, like you said, of an ejaculation, it makes it, it makes it where there's no gray areas and what's taken place Sure. in a child's terms. And you have most of the children, like the prime age is going to be a toddler, a younger child who's getting sexually abused. Yes. When you're saying, cause that's the age where we really need to be teaching those because as they get older, they begin to understand the different anatomical terms and the gray area of a predator to go is a child that doesn't know how to explain that doesn't know to tell that doesn't, isn't able to put into words what's taking place. Ah, uh, okay. One of the things that you said here is that 90% of child sex abuse is preventable through education. Yes. Okay. So educational materials, like having something as simple as a body safety education book, something Mm -hmm. like your safe body, there's other resources out there. Mm -hmm. It's having discussions in our home before, you know, before they're learning from peers or anybody else, anything about private parts and bodies that way that it's coming from you. It not a one and done conversation. It needs to continually be happening as children's environment and the people that they associate with and their growth is constant and they're adapting and that who they interact with is always changing. And so that's kind of where it's preventable is having these discussions at home, starting them at home. And we need to be able to have a few public education systems. Well, we do know kind of disgustingly, (laughs) we do know that there is a playbook for predators and we do know that they test boundaries. And so if our children are able to put up boundaries well in advance of being sexually abused. That's, that's one of the things that it feels like could really help keep them safe and prevent them from being victims, being able to say, no, 
that's my body. Don't touch it. It's extremely clear. I mean, that that is going to put a predator on notice that this child is not a good target. Exactly. So shout the first step is stop, right? Mm -hmm. And if the child's able to Mm self-advocate that they know boundaries, you said with private parts Mm -hmm. and they say stop, then they're, like you said, they're not going to be an easy target. Mm -hmm. And they're also, you know, most of most children know their sexual abuser. And so they get in this state where they're uncomfortable, they're confused, they might feel betrayed, and they're, they almost get in a free state, right, when sexual abuse occurs, because this is somebody most often that they know. And so taking that element of confusion out of there, like what is going on, like what's happening, what do I do, or just whatever's going on, if it's curiosity, they're trying to figure out what's happening. They just know right away, like, hey, stop. So it kind of takes that whole freeze element out of the equation and gives them a simple ordinal tool to go to and just be like, stop. And then they know next they need to get help, right? And then it just gets the ball rolling. So it's not just like they freeze in fear and the Hmm. abuser, like you said, yeah, just can feel like it's an easy target or whatever that looks like. Yeah, it's it's such a smart idea. What you're talking about is, I think we know that if you just envision yourself in a dangerous situation before you get there and you think in advance, what would I do? It's almost, I think, as effective as practicing in other drills, like in the military or in sports, like vision, envisioning, what do I do with myself in this situation is a great idea. And so figuring out how to prepare kids for actual dangers, because this is one of them. This is not the only one. There's so many other dangers that we prepare our kids for. You know, what would you do if it's a great, it's just a great idea. So I'm so, and then did you say that you've gotten this worked into the kids' schools? Well, I'm trying to, that's my next step. So doing seminars and teaching. Yeah. I've got a few seminars scheduled this summer and I would like to get it in the public education system. So fantastic. Just fantastic. Because as you also said, if, if kids are experiencing this at home, they need to know where do I go? What do I do? Who do I tell? And then the other thing that we need to be training parents on another thing that I heard just yesterday was that predators will target kids who are, who have behavior challenges because they're less likely to be believed. So educating. Oh, absolutely. That's sad. It is sad. And also that's a big problem with special needs. It's a huge problem. So you're right. You know, and I love what you said about like role-playing, essentially giving the kids a scenario that they might see. And, you know, that's a great way to teach at home too. teach them something like shout, read a body safety education book, give them scenarios they might experience. Children learn so by role-playing. Role-playing is a powerful, powerful training tool for children, for adults, and is probably underutilized. So these are just, they're such great shows because they get parents thinking like, what are the potential risks to my kids and how do I start educating them? And maybe it's at night before you go to bed and you think, you know, you just role-play different bully situations, different situations they might encounter so that they have the tools to navigate that because we can't prevent that every bad thing is going to happen to them, but we can equip them to get out of those situations a little easier. Now, as a pediatric nurse, what are some things that you are seeing and in terms of trends that we as parents should be aware of? 
the biggest trend, honestly, is that teenage age with sex trafficking. And it's devastating almost. You get a lot of who you think are maybe a runaway or a drug abuse. And then you learn that they're they're in the sex trafficking industry. And that's a big trend right now, as far as like reports of what's coming in the hospitals. But the other trend that I'm not seeing in the hospital, but I'm watching all over online, FBI is putting out reports, is just the dangers online of chat rooms, children talking with who they believe is another child Mm -hmm. and creating a friendship online, whether it's through video games, social media, or other outlets of that sort where there can be a private chat. And a lot of it is the sextortion. It's pretending they're a child and the child trusts them and sends a nude image to the person. And then that's largely distributed on the black web. And that's a big trend right now. I'm sure a lot of people have seen some of that, the stuff with Roblox. There was a recent case with a man in LA. He had like 80 victims. It's just, it's on the rise right now. So we need to be having these discussions that apply, you know, if the children know private parts are personal, you know, and don't let, when you're teaching what's okay and what's not. My book teaches not just touch, but also someone was wanting to take a picture Mm -hmm. or someone wanted to show you. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not that talk. Like that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to have less cases happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do feel like this is a relatively new risk, you know, relatively for this generation of children. It didn't exist when I was a kid, you know, the, the images everywhere all the time, inundation of images and file sharing. So that is something that is very real that probably all of our kids will face at some point, somebody that they're dating, somebody that, you know, somebody is going to ask them for an image and they need to understand the risks that come with that and what that means and why why that's dangerous for them and why that can be used to blackmail them and then if they do find themselves being blackmailed because the 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 pattern is you know let's say old man poses as super sexy 16 year old girlfriend who then goes to develop a relationship you know use whatever sex you want i've got teenage boys so you know girl lures them in to say, you know, show me pictures of you doing blah, blah, blah. Boys are like, so excited. I have my first online relationship. You know, sure. they're, And then they do things and then get blackmailed and then the, the ante goes up. So what's happening is these predators are getting children to create child porn for them of your children yes. in, in your home without anybody else there. It's, it's crazy, right? In your own home, that's going on. And my heart goes out to like the parents and the kids that that's happening to, because obviously it's a very manipulative person. It's someone yes. the child feels like they can trust. Yeah. They think they're friends. They've right. built this friendship over time, right? Yeah. Through right. private chats. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's keeping kids safe on technology. It's keeping them safe on their smartphones. If they've got a smartphone, that's like a whole nother discussion in itself, really. But, you know, it's just kind of, it's checking in regularly And you need to be having conversations with them, checking over their phone and their history. They're your children. They're in your care. You've got to do it because some parents feel like that's a violation of trust. But I mean, it's handing them a loaded weapon is what it is if we're not monitoring it and helping them. Yeah. I mean, we're in a, a new world where we have to educate kids about this. You know, kids are going to, teenagers are going to want to be exploring relationships, connection, intimacy, 
that's normal. The fact that it's happening between the screen, you know, is what makes it so much more dangerous and so much more not normal. And then, you know, they could be inadvertently creating child pornography of themselves that is then being distributed and used to create more child pornography. And this is a worldwide issue that they would not have the tools to navigate without a whole lot of education from parents. Absolutely. And we want to hit it on the preventative side, right? But if we can head a lot of this from the preventative side, from having discussions before it happens, Mm -hmm. it's going to prevent a lot of it. Mm-hmm. prevent all of it because like I said children are curious mm-hmm. and if that were to happen anyone talking on here I always want to talk to those parents who have children who have been victims because you don't they I don't want any of them to feel like they did something wrong or to be in a despair because it's going to happen sometimes and the best thing we can do is you can still prevent after it's happened we can get the child the resources they need to get help to get back to safety and resources might look different for everybody but the biggest thing is just not to despair right i think that this is also so so important that we talk about like one of the, i've had this discussion with my kids and part of the discussion is like if you ever feel like you've gotten yourself in over your head you haven't you haven't like no matter sure. what has happened No matter how far down a rabbit hole you may think you've gone, even if you've made terrible choices that, you know, that that now you realize you should not have made, like, these are all solvable problems. Because what's so tragic is how many of these kids have been lured into this situation where they've inadvertently created pornography of themselves. They've sent it to someone they thought they trusted. Now this person's blackmailing them. And then the children, there have been quite a few kids who have gone on to commit suicide because they feel like they can't get out. They feel like they can't get out and they feel like they can't tell. They feel like they can't get help. Right. Right. So making that part of education, right? Like if anything were to happen, yeah, come and tell me, you know, right. One of the, one of the like things that makes me a little uncomfortable about telling kids, you know, it's, it's, it's your job to prevent sexual abuse or you can prevent sexual abuse is putting that on them. And and I don't know if that's come up at all in the work you've done. You know, I, that was a thought I had personally, because the way I worded the book, I wanted to be very careful, not like Mm. you said, we're, but by having it be a children's book that parents are purchasing and teaching, Mm -hmm. it's still coming from the parents, but Mm -hmm. they're self-advocating or or their child advocating for their children. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. speak up, use your voice, say stop. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, when you said that one, the lines in the book for the children is keeping your body safe is a big job, but you can do it, you know, and just encouraging that. But it comes from all ends. That's why this book was written for parents to help them educate their children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that it's something that I'm trying to get from, it comes from our community. It comes as a whole from healthcare providers, from teachers, from parents, educating the children and arming them with knowledge. It's the same idea. as like, you know, I referred to like stop, drop and roll earlier. Like if they find themselves in a moment when they're on fire, they need to be able to stop, drop and roll real quick, but they're not expected to handle it all totally. So when we're talking about letting the children learn to self-advocate, we kind of, I referred to stop, drop and roll earlier. Like when a child's on fire, we need to give them a step of knowing what to do, right? Stop, drop and roll. It's kind of a extreme scenario. It's the same idea if the fire is something like sexual abuse scenario, we're just giving them the first step of like, Hey, stop. Cause we're taking that element of confusion out. And then it's ordinal to help them know next, like help 
right? So it's not being thrown all on the child. It's like, I need to find help. And the wording I always use is from a trusted parent or adult, because unfortunately we do have parents that sexually abuse their children. And so it's really the way that my teaching is, is to just get that started with like a, hey, stop identifying that's unsafe behavior and getting help from a trusted parent or adult. Absolutely. Yeah. And then removing, removing guilt and shame. You know, if you've been sexually abused, it's, we never, ever want to minimize that. And at the same time, you're going to be okay. Like we can get through this. It is something that is surmountable, like a, like a burn, like you can heal. And I think there's so much guilt and shame that almost makes it harder to heal from. Now you would know better than anyone. Do you think that that's a component in sexual abuse in child sex abuse that makes it so difficult to deal with? Oh, absolutely. And again, like for me, what I can really remember is my abuser was a family member and like feeling like if I said something, how would that reflect on my family, you know, and uh, shame plays a big role in children, not telling. So like the last step in shout is to tell. And I think that shame plays a big, big role in mental health for victims who don't say anything and go on into adulthood. It's something, a trend I'm seeing from people who reach out to me that have been through something that haven't made a report. And the longer kind of that time goes on, if not telling the correlation I see personally is there's it's that shame is real. Your brain is powerful. There's a lot more mental health challenges that come with that, but that's solely related to, from what I see, anxiety and depression. Mm. And so if we can take that element, like you said, of the shaming out and the sooner we can get a child help or anybody who's been a victim of being able to talk about it and move forward, then the better road we get on, you know, for, Mm -hmm. like you said, that shame, but shame looks different for everybody. It can, and it's something that We've got so many resources and things available today Mm -hmm. to people. And I always advocate for what's going to help one person is going to look different for another, but we've got so many counseling and trauma resources and specialists in that, those different areas Mm -hmm. to get help that way. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. How do we find your book? So it's available online. It can be bought from a website called bookbaby.com, or you can get it on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, greater retailers that sell books. And you can find me, I have it all linked on my Instagram page, you know, the little link tree and people can find their favorite retailer right there of where to get the book. My Instagram is Katie Hastings or Katie, the mom, the nurse. So Katie Hastings, Katie, the mom, the nurse. If you all have enjoyed this episode, make sure you download it, share it, forward it, share it with your friends, rate it, leave a review. If you are interested in being a podcast guest, please let me know, reach out. If there's topics you want us to cover, let us know. Do not wait. We would love to have you on or explore different topics that are important to you. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks, Billy. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement 
for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.